Get ready to step into scripture with Tina. Hey everyone, welcome to Step Into Scripture. My name is Tina. I'm a pastor's wife and a mom of seven. And alongside my husband, Matt, I've committed my life to serving King Jesus as a church planter, a Bible teacher, an author, and an advocate for all-in family ministry, bringing all my kids together and serving Jesus as a family unit. In this podcast, we want to point people toward King Jesus specifically by encouraging you to make the commitment to read the entire Bible, Genesis to Revelation. That's actually what my book is about. It has the same name, Step Into Scripture. And for this season of the podcast, we have opened the door for people to ask us any Bible questions. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean we have every single answer. Mm -hmm. But what we're always willing to do is dig through Scripture because we do believe that for all matters of faith and practice, we can find the answers in the Word of God. So some questions are a little harder because they don't have just a one-verse answer, a one-chapter answer, even a one-book answer. You really have to be committed to understanding the character of God that's revealed across the whole Bible Mm -hmm. through the whole meta-narrative, the whole overarching story of Scripture to find the answer you're looking for. And this is one of those weeks. We have a question that's a big one this week that really requires a whole overview of Scripture. So we're going to be going from Old Testament to New Testament in this episode, like we often do. And I want to just start by reading the question exactly as it was submitted How can we know for certain what gifts God has given us to use for his glory and that we're doing in life what God is calling us to do? Mm -hmm. That's a big question. It is. And maybe a simpler version of that is, how can I know God's will for my life? Right. So that's what we're going to dig into today. And while we are not in a position to speak to someone's specific calling and gifting. Right. That's something that's individual to all people. What we can do is lean into God's character mm-hmm. as it's revealed across books and testaments from Genesis to Revelation and his purpose for his entire creation yeah. that is revealed in the Bible mm-hmm. and then we can take that big truth about God and bring it into some application into our own lives to discover what is God's purpose for each of us. Yeah. So that's what we're going to do. We are going to lean into words that the Holy Spirit spoke in the Bible. We're going to start with the teachings of King Solomon. Those are given to us in the book of Ecclesiastes, among others. We're going to go through the book of Ecclesiastes to kick us off. So Stacey, if you don't mind, go ahead and introduce yourself, and let's get into it. Let's do it. Okay, so my name is Stacey Vines. Um, It is a pleasure to be a part of this uh, podcast, Step Into Scripture. Tina and I have been stepping through Scripture together for some time now. Um, alongside my husband, we are small business and nonprofit starters here in our community. We've been a part of our local congregation, Ecclesia, from its conception. Um, and just moments and highlights of my life have been marked by my reading the Bible from start to finish. So this is um, a banner that uh, I love to wave alongside um, he, my sister here at Ecclesia. So to get us started with this big Big, big question. How do I know that I am walking in God's will? How do I know God's will for my life? This is across denominations, across uh, different cultural backgrounds. This is a big question, and there are lots of answers and probably lots of things that we can find on the internet. But like Tina said, we are going to, like we do every week, let scripture answer and interpret scripture. And we're going to start in the book of Ecclesiastes. And so, 
uh, because Ecclesiastes is where we find uh, the calling in our life or the meaning of life. We see in the book of Ecclesiastes, the root word there is ecclesia, which is very special to us here at Ecclesia Christian Church. It is the Greek word for the assembly or for church. Ecclesiastes means the speaker to the assembly. So thus, in the book's opening, Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 1, it says, the words of the teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem. This teacher, King Solomon, like Tina mentioned earlier, he wastes no time getting to the direct point. And in verse 2, he says, meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. And so if you are jumping into Ecclesiastes for the very first time with us this week, don't give up. Yeah. Um, it, this is not uh, necessarily something that you're going to go, wow, this sounds like Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. I promise it, it gets way more intriguing. This is a massive statement, though, to make, right? Here we have a king who opens this, uh, this incredible letter by saying, you know what? Life is just meaningless. Solomon, though, is uniquely qualified to draw this conclusion about life. So we find uh, before, back in Second Chronicles chapter 1, verse 12, that God has given him wealth, possession, and honor because he asked God specifically for wisdom. So Solomon not only was the wisest king, he was the most wealthy king. He understands what is under the sun. And that's what we'll see repeated throughout this text. He'll say things like, there's nothing meaningful under the sun. I have experienced everything under the sun. There is nothing new under the sun, meaning in the sphere of which we operate, nothing is new. Everything is meaningless. And this is Solomon's conclusion on life. He had great wisdom, wealth, and power, all of the things that we seek after and believe that will satisfy us. And having all of these things, Solomon came to that one conclusion, that everything was meaningless. In verse 14, he says, I have seen all the things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless, a chasing after the wind. So just to kind of break down things that can be chased after, right? As, as if we are chasing after the wind, we see that Solomon has tried many things in his search for meaning. Yeah. The wisest and most wealthiest uh, king. He sought after wisdom, which we can, per- we can pursue as well. But something you pointed out in the show notes that is very uh, accurate, it almost seems the more knowledge we acquire, the more troubled about life sure. we become. You know, for example, if someone goes down these rabbit holes of, conspiracy theories or different research studies that, you know, is there a cure for cancer? All of these um, things that that can leave us feeling very troubled because we want to know more. We want to know more. And there's all these sources of information, but not all of them are truth. And how do you know what you can even trust? Exactly. Especially with the internet and how things are just so readily available, Mm -hmm. both truth and and lies. Yeah, yeah. And I think we talked about that on another episode. Another uh, thing that Solomon saw after that we can also chase after is worldly pleasure, partying. We can engage in revelry day and night, but we're never going to drink away our problems. Yeah. We're never going to use any kind of substance that will fill the void in our life that only the truth of God can fill, the community of his church can fill, and ultimately the love of God yeah. will 
And, and when we embrace that, we'll feel that need for us. But we can go and chase that. Solomon certainly chased it, and he was still left void, and so will we. Wealth, pleasure, or even sexual experiences. You know, Solomon, he had it all. Yeah. He was wise, he was wealthy, and he had many wives and many concubines. And it's recorded in the Old Testament. Um, he had hundreds of wives and concubines and still considered life to be meaningless. Yeah. That did not fulfill him. Some of us may even search for and use ambition as something to fill a void in our life or try to bring meaning to our life. And it leads us down this path of wanting more and chasing more and needing more and you know, King Solomon in First Kings chapter four, we read that he ruled over all of the kingdoms from the Euphrates River to, to as far as the land of the Philistines, as far as the border of Egypt. These countries brought him tribute. They were subjects to him all of his life. We see later in verse 34, from all the nations, people came to listen to Solomon's wisdom sent by all the kings of the world who had heard of his wisdom. So Solomon had a worldwide sphere of influence, and that still didn't deliver his contentment. We can search and seek out a huge sphere of influence and still not fulfill our need. We won't find contentment in that, and especially today with how easy it is to acquire a following or um, a group of influence with online and social media it still is so lacking. Individuals are still so lacking, even though they have these huge followings. And you read reports about, especially young people, who may have these huge followings, but yet they're struggling with depression. They're struggling with isolation. They're not content. They haven't found that because that's not where their source of contentment is going to come. And how helpful that Solomon had all of that, and he just gave us the answer. So we don't have mm-hmm. to try and chase it and come to the answer. I think that's huge that this is not somebody who is guessing sure. at what may be at the end of that road, that road of ambition mm-hmm. or wealth or pleasure. He had it all. And to a level that we won't experience. None of us will ever achieve, yeah. no matter how big of a following we think yes. we have, no matter how wealthy we think we are. Mm-hmm. The wealthiest person alive in the world today Right, doesn't Does compare. Does not have the level of influence that King Solomon had in his day. Right, and so for him to come to that conclusion at the end of an earthly life should bring all of us to the realization, I don't need to chase ambition. I don't right. need to chase these pleasures. I don't need to chase after all of this worldly wisdom or worldly experience because it will leave me feeling like everything is meaningless right. um, when it stands compared to what God can provide for us. So at the end of an earthly life, all of this falls to another who didn't work for it, right? All of the things that Solomon toiled for, he looks back and reflects in chapter two of Ecclesiastes and says, I hated all the things that I had toiled for under the sun because I must leave them to the one who comes after me. No matter how hard we chase it, there will always be someone else who has something that we don't or that we can't have. And when we leave this world anyway, it's going to rot and ruin with everything else around it. Later in Ecclesiastes chapter four, he says, and I saw that all toil and all achievements spring from one person's envy of another. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Perhaps one of the most heart-wrenching warnings from King Solomon's ambitious pursuits boils down to this. We can learn too late that relationships are better than wealth and self-sufficiency. 
We can chase ambition and neglect our loved ones until we end up alone, just like he reflects in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 8. You know, nothing can be enjoyed as it was meant to be enjoyed apart from God. And really, there's no sphere of our life that we can't apply that truth to. There's no sphere of our life that that will not bring blessings about in our life. We can apply that to our marriage. We apply it to our servanthood. We apply it to parenting. We apply it to our our work sphere. If everything is that is meant to be enjoyed is enjoyed apart from God, it will always be lacking and void. It will be meaningless. Rather than chasing these things, expecting them to deliver happiness, we ought to enjoy the circumstances that God has given us now, enjoy every phase of the journey uh, while looking forward to a better eternity. Something that I was having a conversation with a woman here recently, and she had been given some really awesome advice, and it was to embrace and enjoy, be intentional in every season of your life, whether it's difficult or it's a mountaintop, every season, enjoy it and be intentional in it because there is treasure in that season for you and and God wants you to have it. Ecclesiastes chapter three, verse 11, it says, he has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from the beginning to end. We ought to let the, fu- the futility and lack of satisfaction of this life point us to eternity and to God's eternal truth, things that are much greater than the meaningless under the sun. You know, just reflecting on Ecclesiastes chapter 3, that verse there, verse 11, that he's made everything beautiful in its time. When we walk life and we submit everything in our sphere to God, And we say, God, make it beautiful in your time. I don't see the beauty that you are creating in this right now. That is our hope. That is how we embrace walking in the will of God. Even when things are outside of our control, circumstances are not ideal, whatever the the sphere is, right? Whatever is before us that we seem to like Solomon Uh, chase after. We instead can see it as meaningless and see rather that God's eternal truth for us, what he has sown in the human heart is way better. It is our treasure and he will bring about beauty in its time. And man, that's just the hope that we walk through. That's what we wake up ready to embrace every morning on that really small molecular level, no matter what our sphere looks like, that's how we can honor God in that sphere. That's a beautiful call to move our minds and our goals and our heart into a spiritual realm because Mm -hmm. no matter what physical thing we might think is going to be the answer, is going to bring us the satisfaction in this world, it's going to be meaningless. But God has put eternity in our hearts. Mm -hmm. So after Solomon thinks about these things, about the meaninglessness mm-hmm. of the physical, of worldly pursuits. Then he goes on and he starts giving lots of helpful wisdom from this wisdom that has been given to him specifically by God. And he talks about the value of a good name, mm-hmm. the value of an instructive rebuke, right. the value of patience and self-control. And he also talks, like you've just leaned into, about the value of the present. He says in 710, do not say, why were the old days better than these? For it is not wise to ask such questions. The message he's getting at is, 
as I'm seeking the purpose of my life and the meaning of life, I need to embrace right where I am. Mm -hmm. Like you said, we need to make the most of right now. Paul said it like this in 2 Corinthians 6, 2. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Mm -hmm. Now is the day of salvation. So this wisdom that we find in the book of Ecclesiastes, a lot like the wisdom we find in the book of Proverbs, mm-hmm. it can be applied for us today, even though these are writings that are millennia old. Mm-hmm. And the reality is, like you said, Stacy, there are going to be seasons of good days and of bad days, but to long for a different yes. season mm-hmm. is meaningless. Yeah, It's futile. That's not going to be helpful. Ecclesiastes 7.14 says, when times are good, be happy. But when times are bad, consider this. God has made the one as well as the other. Therefore, no one can discover anything about their future. So not only is it futile and meaningless to wish for days that are gone by, but it's also futile to distress over things that are beyond our control. And that's coming from King Solomon, who had lots of control. Yes. Who who could have manipulated and and created whatever outcome he really right. wanted at his disposal. And here he is saying to us, do not fret over that. Be yeah. present where you are, embrace, have that eternity in your heart and long for what God is doing and believe that he is doing it. Right. Yes. Because it's a given, we're going to face hardships. Mm -hmm. There are going to be people who say negative things about us, whoever we are. Solomon was at the top. There are going to be people who scheme and commit evil acts. I see people who become so distraught over what schemes and evil are happening in in the government. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure there is so much evil going on outside of our sure. immediate awareness, things that we don't have access to, things that are happening over our heads. And and it's hard because justice isn't always delivered in the way or in the time frame that we want. Mm-hmm. The truth that we find throughout the Bible is that at times the wicked prosper. Sure. And though we do good, even our godly wisdom might not always be appreciated by people. Solomon told this interesting story in this book about a poor man who saved his city from a powerful invading king. But Mm -hmm. Ecclesiastes 9.16 says, But the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are no longer heeded. He saved his city. But again, that goes back to meaningless. The pursuit of ambition is meaningless. Even efforts to build a name for ourselves are fleeting and meaningless. Because the good that we do will be forgotten by this world. Sure. And that will devastate us if we've not got eternity in our hearts. Right. So we need to make the most of every opportunity. Today is the day of salvation. Embrace where you are. Solomon says, enjoy youth. Don't be too weighed down by negative things that are inevitable. And through this, Mm -hmm. keep eternity in your heart, remembering that your actions are going to be judged. Enjoy your life, Mm -hmm. but know that God brings about a judgment. Ecclesiastes 11.9 says, You who are young, be happy while you are young, and let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eyes see, but know that for all things God will bring you into judgment. And then 12.1 says, Remember your Creator in the days of your youth before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. So as people seek to share their wisdom and be remembered for their works. Solomon says in 12.12 of many books, there is no end, and much study wearies the body. He even warns in chapter 12, verse 11, against additions to the words 
of the wise given by one shepherd. And here he's obviously uh, referring to these Holy Spirit-inspired mm-hmm. writings that we have in front of us from him. That's why we need to constantly read the right. Holy Word. We talk about that here every week above any source of man-made wisdom, above any man-made resource, uh, because what we need for life and godliness and a purpose and a meaning in our life is going to be found in the Bible. So I love that this question was submitted. Right. How can I know God's will for my life? In the Bible is where we're going to find purpose through the meaninglessness mm-hmm. of life. But what we see in the book of Ecclesiastes is it's got to come from eternity being in our hearts because if we're seeking it from any physical thing in this world or even from things that aren't tangible, things like our circumstances, Mm -hmm. things like our fears that might drive us to act in certain ways, Mm -hmm. our anxieties, our worries about things that are going on outside of our control, all this is meaningless. And he really wraps this thing up in the final chapter 12, verse 13, in saying, now all has been heard. (laughs) He has thought all through life. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God Mm -hmm. and keep his commandments. For this Mm -hmm. is the duty of all mankind. That's the meaning of life. Right. From the one who lived it all, saw it all, controlled it all, ruled it all, had all the subjects underneath to, to even peer into their experience, yeah. that's the conclusion of the matter, to fear God and keep His commands. So that's a big truth. That might be a big truth that you are hearing today for the very first time, that my duty as a part, a piece of mankind, is to fear God and to keep His commands. So what is that truth and this meaning and this purpose that we found in the book of Ecclesiastes, how do we take that and translate that into application into our own lives, right? Our question is, how do I know what the will of God is for my life? There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of, I want to be personally, like we've talked about before on this podcast, I want to know that I'm walking in God's favor. I want to know that I'm doing what is right in the eyes of God. And this question really stems from that. And so our question back would be, are you aware that God has a purpose for your life? The primary reason that we're left on this earth and that God doesn't take us on to heaven the moment that we are raised up from the waters of baptism is because we all have a purpose. And it's the same purpose that looks different in every sphere, right? We're not like King Solomon, right? right? But the purpose is so that we can share the gospel. We can align and walk out the same calling that we find of all of the um, the New Testament believers, right? They, they gave their life, went to extremes to share the gospel. My husband and I were actually having a conversation about this on the way here in a totally different context, but it's the same premise. Who are we to not tell everyone that Jesus is is all about you, has made a way for you, and wants you, right? That's our purpose. That's the commission that we've been given. So we're talking about how to take this truth and the meaning and this purpose of life and make it an application in our life. So a good place to start would be to ask God. Ask God to show you in your sphere, what does this look like? How do I walk out this mission in this life, in the circumstances that I'm in, right? Just like King Solomon said, not worrying about yesterday, not not fretting about tomorrow, but where I am right now, 
How can I walk out this mission to share the gospel with as many people as possible? How can I do that? And God, give me the tools to do it. You know, we believe that if you seek him in this, that he will give you that direction. Sure. Uh, we've we've had several women's conferences here, and and I know in in so many of them we give the women the same call. Like whether you're sitting in a cubicle, you're in an operating room, whatever your sphere looks like, you're on the floor playing with kids, you're sitting here recording a podcast. Walk out the mission in that sphere. The more we submit our will to His, our circumstance, our life, our wants, our desires, our ambitions, our our pleasures, all of these things, the more He is going to reveal what His will for our life is. And someone that we get a very clear uh, example from is Paul. In the New Testament, he had undeniable clarity in what the call of his life to uh, share the gospel with the Gentiles. He got a very clear call because Jesus himself told him in Acts chapter 23, it says, "'Take courage.'" As you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. He was given a very clear job here to testify about, to share that gospel in Rome. And on his way to fulfill God's will for his life, Paul experienced imprisonment, trials, shipwreck, and snake bites. We think that it is challenging to share the gospel with our coworker because they just blow us off. You know, Paul is going to look at us when we get to heaven and say, you have no idea what trial and tribulation really looks like in sharing the gospel message. So take heart, my friend, take courage, just like it was uh, given to, to Paul. As we read through the details of these events, though, we can find ourselves in awe of Paul's laser focus on the mission at hand. Nothing deterred him. And in every circumstance, in the midst of shipwreck, he is sharing the gospel, he is glorifying God, and he is still praising God through song and through his actions and through his life. And we can learn a lot from Paul on how to commit our calling uh, from God with that kind of faith, with a fierce faith that says, nothing is going to deter me. Um, Almost like developing a resolve within ourselves. And you know, that is something that we have to decide. God decides the call. He gives us the purpose and the commission. He he wants us to submit our circumstance and our sphere to him. But it is our decision if we will resolve ourselves and commit to it. If we will say, I'm not going to, to spend time worried about yesterday. I won't fret about tomorrow, but I will rise to the occasion. I'll be present in my circumstance today. Things that are worthy and world-changing are rarely easy. Right. We say that a lot at Ecclesia. The bigger your kingdom impact, the stronger the opposition from the enemy is going to be. And here's what I want to just kind of curtail that with and tie a bow on that before we move into a um, a, a personal uh, piece that Tina has for us. Your kingdom impact may not feel like a grand ordeal. Something my husband and I talk about all the time is we do not know, nor do we require to know what God's full plan will look like when it comes to what our life's purpose will be. We have no idea what our great-grandchildren or what the friends of our great-grandchildren or some one-time encounter of someone who comes from our line, what our faith seeds will impact one day. But we are honored to be used in the in-between for whatever his purpose will be. And so 
It might not feel like your kingdom impact is on this grand scale right now. But if if you submit your will and your circumstance to him, the enemy takes notice, the king takes notice, and it will be used for his purpose and his glory, whether we see the product of it or not. And we have to be humble enough and submissive enough to be okay with that. Um, I know uh, years ago, Tina and I, we used to joke about this, but if if sweeping the floor before Bible study right. looks like I'm going to give this up for you, God, I, I'm going to make sure my floors are so clean for Bible study today, that's kingdom impact. Whatever you're doing and submitting to God, it might not feel like it's on a grand scale, but it is because it is in submission to Him, and He will use it for an impact that we may not ever see, but that has to be okay. Yeah, for sure. This this idea of a laser focus, and, and mm-hmm. I am not going to be deterred mm-hmm. from the mission that God has for me. It reminds me of a guy that I had the pleasure of meeting last year in Kenya. His name's Ibrahim, and he was one of the first, maybe the very first, ethnic Somali in Kenya to profess faith in Jesus Christ and to be baptized. So mm-hmm. he was a Somali man. Uh, and, and in Somalia, this is a Muslim nation, and Christianity is illegal. You would be killed for that. And God had him in a space where he was serving in, in a military police role. Mm-hmm. And so he was assigned in Kenya, which borders Somalia, but is a predominantly Christian nation. Right. He had an assignment to help keep peace at an event where a Christian pastor was speaking. And so as he heard this pastor speaking and sharing stories from the Old Testament, he started to recognize that some of these stories sounded like some things that he had heard before from the Quran. Sure. And it piqued his interest, and he was confused about why a Christian pastor was preaching from the Quran. And so he went and started speaking to him and, and found that there were some things that they had in common, and they could stand on that common ground, and that pastor introduced him to Jesus Christ, and he began to study the Bible. And his conclusion was that the the Quran was a counterfeit of the Bible, right. and that, that the Bible was the truth, mm-hmm. and that Christ was salvation. And he gave his life to Jesus, and he became so fixed on his mission at that point to take the gospel to Somalia. It was like Paul being told, you're going to go to Rome. You're going yeah. to testify before me there, even though that was a place for Paul to lose his life, right. which is ultimately what happened. Yep. Paul was martyred. But he was so dedicated to now taking this truth that he had learned and taking it to uh, all of his Muslim family and friends, and and not just in Kenya, not just Somalis who were living in Kenya, but he was trying to cross the border mm-hmm. and smuggling Bibles into Somalia. And he was completely plagued with persecution throughout his ministry. He told me a story of being forcibly separated from his wife and children. He was repeatedly imprisoned. He was stoned. He was shot. And I, I got to interview him for a magazine And I wanted to hear more details about all these stories, all the persecution that he faced because it was just so different, so different than our experience as Western Christians where we would never dreamed of 
of being stoned or shot just because we were sharing our faith in Christ. And as I tried to get him to tell me these wild stories about his past, it was a struggle because this man at 92 years old was still so laser-focused on Mm -hmm. the call that God had for his life to share the gospel with Muslims from Somalia that all he wanted to talk about was the path forward. Mm -hmm. He's 92 and still thinking about what does God still want me to do to walk out this mission. So he wanted to talk about how he could partner with us in missions and Mm -hmm. internet broadcast and how (laughs) he could travel and get the gospel out. And he must have repeated to me at least 20 times in our interview, I must preach the gospel. As I would try to get him to reflect on what had happened, he just kept saying, I must preach the gospel. I must preach the gospel. So much truth in in his story and in Paul's story of this resolve and this tenacity they had for the mission at hand, that even when we face difficulties, mm-hmm. like Paul, shipwreck, snake bite, things that we probably will never have to deal with, we probably are more along the lines of what Solomon described. We're going right. to have some negativity. Mm-hmm. We're going to have people who scheme to do evil, and mm-hmm. there's going to be nothing that we can do about it. And And those kind of things can so easily thwart our mission right? or take us away from the purpose because we think, well, if if this were meant to be, mm-hmm. it would just fall into place more easily. And as you look for God's will for your life, what's his plan for you, I would encourage you to set that aside mm-hmm. and understand sometimes the road just seems straight and there aren't bumps and potholes and God just clears a way for us to get there but more often than not, the story of his word is the story of opposition that people have had to overcome in order to find their purpose. Yeah. And so when it feels like you're failing, when it feels like you're not impactful, if you have your eye on that meaning of life, am I loving God? Am yeah. I keeping his commandments? And am, am I sharing his gospel? Don't let that side rail you. Mm-hmm. Because that is his purpose. Have you ever wondered what the Bible says about male and female roles in the church? Maybe you have felt unsure of how what the Bible says about this lines up with modern culture. Is it even applicable today? If you have felt this way, we encourage you to go to YouTube and search Male and Female, A Biblical Look at Gender. This is a special six-part series produced by Renew.org to help Christians navigate what the Bible says about this polarizing topic and how to apply these teachings in your context today. If you would like to listen to this series, go to your preferred podcast platform and search the Real Life Theology Podcast, and they're becoming available there as well. If you would like all this great content in book form, you can go to Amazon.com and look up Male and Female, A Biblical Look at Gender to purchase Renee Sproul's new book with all this great information in it. We just highly encourage encourage you to check that out and grab a copy today as well and share this series with anybody who may be struggling with this topic who wants more clarity about how to understand it apply it and follow King Jesus more clearly today I think we we get side railed when we feel like we're failing we're not impactful when we don't see the fireworks when we don't uh, have this uh, emotional high surrounding it that's where our tenacity kicks in that's really where your faith is is refined and where it is really strengthened and that's where it's time to pray god give me the faith to continue god give me the tools that i need to continue in this path of what you have given me with clarity and you've given it with clarity it is to love you to love others and to share the gospel and that tenacity that paul had 
was the call on his life. Yeah. It's the same call that Abraham Abraham, excuse me, had. And it's the same call that we have. We must share the gospel. We must build the kingdom. And when you get to the close of the book of Acts, uh, just like you mentioned just a few minutes ago, Tina, we do see that that is... That was not only the call of Paul to go to Rome, right? We saw that in Acts 23. It is where he ultimately gave his life for the gospel. Um, and it's where in AD 68, Paul was put to death under Emperor Nero. But he never wavered from the mission and the fruit of his faithfulness is now what we see. Um, and we, we see that in the final let letter in 2 Timothy. But we also see how Paul was able to preach the gospel in Rome, even as far as the emperor's own circle in the closing of his letter to the Philippians, where he says, uh, Philippians 4.22, All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. And something that I have learned about Paul is that he uses a lot of words in his writing. And so if he leaves something out, that's on purpose. If he adds it, that's on purpose. And so I, I, I kind of can hear Paul's wink through that one sentence, yeah. especially those who belong to Caesar's household. Paul's determination, right? He was proud of that. He, he had set his mind and his feet on the path to do what Jesus had commissioned him to do, and he did it. And, and we have the record to follow behind him and to follow his example, to preach the gospel, to make disciples, and to do it with a passionate resolve that was modeled for us in the book of Acts by the apostles and specifically there by Paul. And so whether our uh, sphere, again, is on a grand scale or a small scale, it all requires tenacity, it all requires resolve, and it all requires faith to say, I'm going to submit this to you, God. Use it however you want, and I require nothing in return um, as a result of it. But the best part is that when we do that and we live our life submitted to God in that way, no matter grand or small, we still reap all the blessings and the benefit of walking with God. He still gives us everything that we could yeah. possibly need, um, even when we don't meet the mark sometimes. And that really is uh, the bonus and the cherry on top uh, for us all this side of Calvary. So we've identified the meaning of life. Mm -hmm. In Ecclesiastes, we find the meaning of life is to fear God and to keep His commandments. Yeah. Everything else is meaningless. We have to have our eternity in our hearts. And in Christ's new covenant, we do that by submitting our lives to Jesus. We are brought mm -hmm. into this spiritual sphere when we are baptized into Christ. And then we're tasked with a purpose, mm -hmm. just like Paul was. And that purpose, while it may not include going to Jerusalem, going to right. Rome, being imprisoned, being shipwrecked, the purpose is the same. It's to share the gospel right. with as many people as we can. Now, the part of this question that becomes very specific to the individual is the part about using our particular gifts and skill sets to fulfill that purpose and to uphold that meaning. Right. Because that looks different for all of us. And so we want to talk about gifts that God equips us with mm -hmm. so that we can carry out that mission, that purpose, and we can uphold that meaning to fear God and to keep his commandments. Typically, when people want to talk about spiritual gifts, they go straight to 1 Corinthians 12 right. to 14. And so we want to sit on that for just a minute. Paul speaks in detail there about miraculous spiritual gifts that were given to the early church. And the two that he really focuses on are speaking in tongues and prophecy. Right. And Stacey, I love that you said often we can miss or feel 
uh, like we're not being impactful in our calling because it doesn't look like something on a big grand scale. Mm-hmm. Because we want to chase that. I yeah. think often these are the first gifts that people look to when they're trying to determine what is my gifting. So I want to take a few minutes to really talk about these. People's understandings of these miraculous spiritual gifts, speaking in tongues and prophecy, are very varied today. Um, and these are not essential elements of the faith. But because I don't want us to get lost in mm-hmm. looking for purpose in chasing these things, we're going to look at what Scripture says about these, how they were received, how they were used, and what their purpose was in the Bible. So the book of Acts mm-hmm. shows us how people received miraculous spiritual gifts. I'm going to read you Acts 8.18. It says, When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money. All right? So Jesus' apostles, which are literally those who were sent, Mm -hmm. gave these miraculous spiritual gifts to people with the laying on of their hands. So that's how they were received. Well, who were these apostles who had the power to lay their hands on people and give them miraculous spiritual gifts? Well, Peter identifies them in Acts chapter 1. And we've talked about this a few times before on this podcast, but we'll repeat it for those who might have missed those episodes. According to Scripture... An apostle met three qualifications. Number one, they had been present with the disciples throughout Jesus' earthly ministry. Mm -hmm. So right there, qualification number one tells us that I'm not one, you're not one. No No one alive in the world today is an apostle who was present with Jesus and his disciples during his earthly ministry, because that was 2,000 years ago. The second qualification is that they were a personal witness to the resurrected Christ. Mm -hmm. And these are qualifications Peter gives in Acts chapter 1 when they are choosing another to replace Judas, Judas, who had left the apostolic ministry when he hanged himself. And then the third qualification we find in 2 Corinthians 12, 12, is that their appointment was confirmed through miraculous gifts. That verse says the marks of a true apostle, including signs, wonders, and miracles. Right. So these are three qualifications that we find. Now, we've noted this before, but I'll repeat it just so there's no confusion. The apostle Paul was not necessarily present with the disciples during Jesus' earthly ministry, but he was an eyewitness to the resurrected Christ on the road to Damascus. Mm -hmm. And he referred to himself in 1 Corinthians 15, 8 as one abnormally born because his appointment did look a little bit different from the others. But the point that we want to get to is this. No one alive today meets the scriptural requirements. So to refer to themselves as an apostle would be outside the bounds of that biblical definition. Absolutely. And just something else that's noteworthy, if Paul, who, who... whose life was totally submissive to preaching the gospel and all that we've already talked about that he went through for it, for that purpose, if he can admit, I am one abnormally born, yes, right? If he can recognize mm. that he is a part of this uh, apostolic ministry and he got in by a different, slightly different avenue, if he can recognize that, then he also recognized the truth behind those qualifications yes. that Scripture laid out, and he revered those and respected it, and we should as well. So that's something that we need to look at mm-hmm. as we're seeking to identify our gifts and then use those gifts to fulfill God's purpose and meaning for our lives. Mm-hmm. So though the apostles, like we've looked at, could give these spiritual gifts to others, right? They were given at the laying on of the apostles' hands is what Simon saw. Mm-hmm. There is no biblical evidence that those people who received these gifts from the apostles could then 
pass them on. Right. And I think there's a good reason for that. There are a few periods of biblical history where we see miracles being recorded, like the time of the Exodus and then Israel's entrance into the Promised Land, and also during the ministry of Jesus and the apostles, because during these periods, God was confirming new revelation, Mm -hmm. the law that he was giving, Mm -hmm. his word that was being written down for people to follow. That was a new revelation. And then in Jesus' time, the new covenant, Mm -hmm. the new covenant of Christ so that we could be reconciled to God. That was a new revelation. Now, God still does miracles today. Don't hear me say that he doesn't. And the Holy Spirit is still active today. He's dwelling in us and he's working through God's people to accomplish his purpose. But what is that purpose? Because here's what we have to recognize as we're looking for our gifting. The church is established. And the apostles have long gone on to be with the Lord. Based on 1 Corinthians 13, 8, where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there Mm -hmm. are tongues, they will be stilled. Knowledge, it will pass away. So a case can be made, a strong case from the Bible, that the miraculous spiritual gifts of prophecy and tongues were meant to come to an end. Well, and, and wouldn't that make perfect sense if their purpose was to bring confirmation yes. of something new. Yes. But there is nothing new. There's nothing new to be revealed by God. He has completed it. He's done it. Yes. And all we now wait for is his return. Right. And when his last apostle, John, right. was exiled on the island of It was Patmos, the last thing he said. It's the last thing he said mm-hmm. is this is complete. Don't add to it. Don't take away from it. Or you're inviting all the curses in it onto your life. Mm-hmm. So prophecy, as it's described in 1 Peter one twenty one, is the word of God spoken through humans carried by the Holy Spirit. It is not our own words, teaching or preaching. It's the direct word of God. Right. So As we are looking for our gifts, because we are able to communicate the Word of God does not mean that we need to be seeking out the gift of prophecy. That's just a gift of teaching, Mm -hmm. a gift of preaching, a gift of evangelism, Mm -hmm. sharing the gospel. And then speaking in tongues, the Greek there is glossa, describes a spiritual gift of fluency spoken in a language that one hasn't been trained to speak. So like on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, we've looked at that on this podcast before, this miraculous spiritual gift allowed people to communicate multilingually so that any nation could understand the gospel message that was being shared. Why? Because the church was being born and the church was being established. So I believe that these are not gifts that we need to be seeking today. Because they aren't normative for the church today. No, they they were purposed for the confirmation of the birth of the church yes. and the fulfillment of what God said would happen beforehand yes. so that everyone would know without mistake, this Christ whom you crucified, yeah. right? This is your confirmation. Yes. This is God's way of saying, this is my covenant. This is the new, de- this is the deal. And here's how you're not going to deny it. Right. And, and because we have his complete word, right. what would be the purpose of him directly speaking through humans today? Mm-hmm. Because that would, by definition, be adding to the word of God that we have completed in the Holy Scriptures. 
And our whole purpose in this podcast has also, not maybe our purpose, but a whole conversation we've had as a background theme is God's purpose has always been restoration, to reconcile himself to his creation. And he has accomplished that. We can be reconciled with God um, and we can have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and be one with God, just like Jesus prayed. And we can see that and we can find the answer to that all through scripture. That has been accomplished. And so the need of a new vehicle, the need of a new revelation, um, it just simply isn't there. Right. So if those aren't the spiritual gifts that we need to be seeking to fulfill our purpose in life, not speaking in tongues, not prophecy, what gifts should we actively be seeking so that we can carry out the purpose that God has, the calling He has on our life? Well, a good place to start is 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Often, again, people want to talk spiritual gifts. They go straight to 1 Corinthians 12. And somehow we don't focus in on the main point of Mm -hmm. that entire section of Scripture. And it's 1 Corinthians 13, 13 that says, and now these three remain. Right. Which ones aren't going to come to an end? Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Because the Holy Spirit now, having completed the establishment of the church, having completed the writing of God's word so that we have it in our hands, now he grows the fruit of love and faithfulness in our life. That's what Galatians 5 is all about, the fruits of the Spirit. Mm -hmm. And then he also equips us still with spiritual gifts. One uh, non-exhaustive list you can go to is Romans chapter 12. That names some additional gifts like service, teaching, encouragement, giving, Mm -hmm. leadership, showing mercy. So for the sake of the church Mm -hmm. and for the sake of finding our true purpose, which is to honor God, to love God, to fear God, keep His commandments, glorify Him, not seek glory for ourselves, Mm -hmm. not seek ambitions that are going to look like I'm doing something special, even if it's under the guise of because I'm hyper-spiritual. Yes. We need to look (laughs) to the gifts that are given to us today, and then we need to cultivate and let God grow those fruits in our life, faith, hope, and love, so that we can walk in a calling. And in every season, yes, I think a lot. A lot of times, we get lost in a question like this. We go down the tunnel of, you know, is my pur- my purpose is one thing, so it must be this job, it must be this ministry, it must be this type of life, yeah. and we get stuck on one avenue, and we forget about our seasons, and that these. These fruits, these gifts, these are the way in which we follow and stay faithful to the calling to love Him, love others, to keep His commands, to fear Him, to glorify Him in every season, and not to get stuck on one particular avenue that we may want more than what is actually our circumstance yeah. in that in that season. Absolutely. Now, I operate personally in a setting of vocational ministry. Mm-hmm. I work at a church. Mm-hmm. So for someone who's asking this question, they could look at my circumstance and think, well, it's clear what your calling is, mm-hmm. what God's purpose for your life is. You work in a church. You you do ministry as a livelihood. Right. And that's not the person that we're looking to speak to today. Sure. We are looking to the person who is not in vocational ministry, that that their life is not uh, teaching and preaching mm-hmm. and the things necessarily that, that we think of when we think of the Apostle Paul. Yeah. But someone who is finding that calling 
in a sphere outside yeah. of the church, but still learning how to integrate it into Christ's church and Christ's purpose. So to move us to the end of this, we do want to go into some personal testimony. And Stacy, uh, we're going to shift a little bit and do an interview with you and your husband, Rick, mm-hmm. because you are two people who I know to be doing the best job of walking this out. Well, I really appreciate that. And as someone who um, was sort of para-staff here at Ecclesia, 40 hours a week, all in for ministry, and then now to be someone who uses that uh, avenue, a channel for that um, in a more business uh, setting and outside the church setting, um, it really does mean a lot to me and my husband both to even be able to speak to this because it really has been a treasure in our life to be able to see how to walk ministry in something that's not called a ministry. Right. You know? So let's welcome Rick to the podcast. Rick, thank you so much for being here with us today. If you don't mind, go ahead and introduce yourself and tell our viewers and listeners about what you do. Absolutely. Yeah. Good morning. My name is Rick Vines. Um, I'm a local business owner. Uh, Stacy and I uh, have been married 15 years, have four lovely children. Um, you know, we offer array of different services. We, uh, we're in the plumbing industry. Uh, we offer HVAC service. Uh, we do fire and water restoration. And our favorite, I believe, is our victim service department. That's awesome. So in your trade, something that's very unique is both of you consistently seek to point people toward Christ. So would you share how in, in this industry, this service industry, that conviction to orient your business in that way began? Where did Where did you start realizing that's what God is asking me to do with my profession. So yeah, honestly, Tina, you know, the root of that is, uh, it transpired from tithing. We, uh, Stacy and I, again, we came from humble beginnings and we decided, you know, as we launched our business that, um, we wanted to do that with God and one way to create some separation from finances and, uh, all that goes on with business was, was to show God that, you know, this is his. And one way we were able to do that was, was through the discipline of tithing. Um, so, you know, through business, we've made that a large part of our, our, our business and that yeah. making that a priority, um, was, was really where all this began. And what that transpired into being is, uh, is, is really treating our company as if it wasn't ours. And I think that yeah. was really, you know, our perception of what business should look like. And, and really where, where we learned a lot of this was, was from being a part of Ecclesia from its conception, being a part of Bible study, being a part of small group and, uh, you know, being able to take what we learned and, and we knew what we wanted. We knew the peace that come from that. Um, people were important and we wanted to make that a priority, but you know, people and money uh, are, are two separate things and you have to decide what's important. Yeah. So, you know, we decided if this wasn't going to be ours, how do we, how does it look like to treat something that God has given you the responsibility of overseeing yeah. and, and, and making it known that it's not yours by how we serve Christ through it. That's incredible. That is incredible. So a conviction began with the call to tithe. We just talked about gifts that we should seek. Paul gives us some of those in Romans 12, and one of those is the spiritual gift of giving. That's actually a spiritual gift that's listed in Scripture and one that is good for us to seek after today. So giving, serving people. How do you specifically walk that out that call that we found today in Ecclesiastes to fear God, to keep his commandments, and then that life purpose that's true for all of us, that we would share the gospel. What does that look like in your operations, in your trade? So I shared kind of the similar response with, with you guys in a Bible study, and I love you know the example of this. 
Um, this passage in First Samuel, I think David was a, was an amazing leader. I think it was your biblical day businessman leader. Um, he, he 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 was an amazing example of a lot of things. He obviously made a ton of mistakes as well. But you know, looking at you know David and his life and his leadership, um, you know, in, in Ziglag where where he resided, and, and and the Amalekites came in and raided. You guys know the story and. Uh, you know, they, they took all their, their women and their children. And, and one thing David did in this passage that, that's always stood out to me, um, you know, it said that, that he was completely distraught. Um, he went to God and cried out to him. And, and, and in times where we go through chaos and busyness in life, um, especially as a business owner, you know, one thing that I remind myself of in this story is that we go to God with everything. Yeah. And, you know, having a very strong prayer life is where that begins and then you'll see through that passage that David also goes to Christ in prayer and he asks some pretty specific questions like, like, will I overtake them? Will I find this raiding party? He never asked, you know, where do I go? So I think this is a great example of having faith through your prayer and yeah. showing that example through your prayer life. Um, you know, we don't always need the exact specific answer to follow what direction God may have us. Um, it's, it's simply just having faith and walking that through. So again, in this passage, the example of, of prayer, the example of walking in faith. And then lastly, the example of through this journey, um, David, you know, he, he come across an, an individual and, and understand, you know, he's going through a ton at this time. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, many, many different excuses he could have used to continue to just go on his journey and seek for what he was looking for, mm-hmm. the confirmation that God gave him. Um, and, and never in that confirmation, it was David stop and help somebody on the way. But, you know, there was a man on this journey who had fallen behind. Uh, he was a part of the Amalekite army that raided and, and David didn't know this at the time and stopped and gave the man some food and drink. Yeah. And that really stands out to me again, kind of in the business world of, you know, it, it's always chaotic. There's always mm-hmm. an excuse to, to, to continue to move forward business as usual. We've got to, got to get the job completed, you know, but, um, taking time to recognize people are important. Yeah. Um, taking time to recognize. And again, it kind of goes back to my first response um, with, you know, where we started and how tithing was a, an instrumental way of, of us growing in our business and growing our relationship with Christ. Um, you know, people are, are, are so important. And, you know, we, um, we spend a lot of time focusing on the day-to-day. But if we're going to truly honor God, we're going to prove to Him mm-hmm. that this is not something that that is ours. Yeah. The only really way to do that is to honor him in what you do. Show him, you know, show him that we we are going to love people. We're going to point him to Christ by loving them. So, yeah. you know, that in itself, that story of David all throughout that one passage is such an example. And I've, I've learned a ton, you know, using biblical principle in, mm-hmm. in business and in marriage and, and in all of aspects of life. Prove, proves to be successful. Yeah. You have a slogan in your business, right? People over profit. Yep. And I think that speaks beautifully to what you've said here and to the way that you guys operate. And the reason that God blesses this calling in your life that you are seeking to point toward him and will just give to him, mm-hmm. relinquish to him. Also love that you talked about prayer. Something Stacy said earlier in this episode was that we believe that when we pray to God and ask him, show me your purpose. Mm-hmm. Show me how you would have my life be an offering to you. He'll answer that. God is really good about answering prayers that glorify him by saying, what would you have me do? Would you help me to see people the way that you see them? I mean, those are the prayers that that invoke answers from him because they are prayers that are totally aligned with his will. So let me ask you this. To the person who has a career that's not typically related to ministry, 
or seen as an avenue to ministry, which is what most people would think about plumbing and fire and water restoration. And, and specifically, the person who asked this question is not someone who is involved in vocational ministry, but wants to know, how do I know that I'm using the gifts God gave me for his purpose? What advice would you give to that person who, they're not a pastor, they're not a preacher, they're not a full-time evangelist, or even a Bible teacher, but they want to know that they are walking in God's calling. I love that. And, you know, this is something I actually, I feel like I struggled with, you know, going into business. And you probably remember we, we, we've been doing ministry a long time together. And, you know, I would become a little envious over the fact that I couldn't be as involved as others. Yeah. And, you know, business was busy. And I've always felt like there was a, a, a call for me to, to do ministry within the company. It was just seeking that out, trying to find that out. So what the advice I would give and we have a we have a, a saying at our office. Um, you know, it's it, it is people before profit, and you know we never we never sit at the head of the table. Um, yeah. I, I feel like you know my journey has been always serving people, and um, I want to read a passage in Luke that that, that explains our thought um, and our stance behind where we stand in business. Um, so this is in Luke fourteen. So in this passage, it says. Then Jesus, Jesus noticed that some of the guests were choosing the best places to sit. So he told the story. When someone invites you to a wedding, don't sit at the most important seat. They may have invited someone more important than you. And if you are sitting in the most important seat, they will have to come to you and say, give this man your seat. Then you will have to move down at the, at the last place and be embarrassed. So when someone invites you to go sit at the seat that is not important, then they will come to you and say, friend, move here. To this better place. What an honor this will be for you in front of all of, the, of your of the other guests. Everyone who makes themselves important will be made humble, but everyone who makes themselves humble will be made important. Then Jesus said to the Pharisees who had invited him, when you give a lunch or dinner, don't invite only your friends, brothers, relatives, and rich neighbors. At another time, they will pay you back by inviting you to eat with them. Instead, when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, and the blind. Then you will have great blessings because these people cannot pay you back. They have nothing, but God will reward you at the time when all God's people raise from the dead. For us, you know, we, we have always treated the janitor, and I kind of use that example. Um, through business, we, yeah. you know, we, we want to find, you know, we, we want to find a way to please God. And, and, you know, so often we try to focus on pleasing people and, mm-hmm. and, and trying to figure out how to be the most profitable, all these things that are important, but not as, a, as important yeah. as seeking Christ. So to answer your question, everyone has an opportunity at any level. And I talk to people in our organization about this all the time, from the lady at the front desk to our call takers. Everyone is a potential customer, but not just a customer. There's someone that we could we can bear witness to. So if we if we again going back to the root of of, of all of this, um, you know, recognizing that this is not yours, the job that you have, God puts you there, and there's always a way to find ministry in whatever it is that you're doing. Yeah. And so that's my advice. I give it to my people all the time, and you know, they they have bought into the culture, and what what was created from all of that is an environment where people you know, they feel something different. You know, it's not, you know, I'm not a pastor. I, I don't get on the stage and I preach on Sundays. And, you know, and, and sometimes we use the excuse that, well, because we're not preacher, because we're not preacher material, or we're not comfortable on stage, or we're not even on stage at all, that we don't have this opportunity to yeah. be an example. And, and that's just not the reality. God right. 
has put something in all of you and, and us, and he has called us to be able to share in, in the ways that he's given you and, and, and the job that you may have or the position in life and the yeah. season you're in. So it's important to seek that out, find yeah. it, the, the, the opportunities there. That's awesome. So I hope that this has been a huge encouragement to everyone who's listening and watching. The meaning of life is fear God and keep his commandments. Mm-hmm. The purpose of life is to share the gospel. And your giftings, whatever they are, can be pointed toward that in whatever setting God has you in today. That is the call. That is your purpose in life. And so thank you for joining us today. And we look forward to hearing more questions from you. Please submit those and we'll see you back next week to dig into some more.